Felix Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of North of the Nets, a Canadian tennis show by The Slice Tennis. Brennan McCarthy with you alongside Stephen Bowden and Karina Mustafa. And guys, another thrilling ending in Miami. We have a new world number one on the WTA rankings, Iga Sviatek. And on the men's side, it's the Spaniard, not Rafa Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz. He's 18 years of age and he's just dominating 2022. Certainly a, a, a thrilling way for him to continue his um his time on the courts. What did you guys take away in particular from Miami? Yeah, Miami was crazy. Uh, for ne- you know, the last two years, it's been a big showcase of the next gen with Djokovic and Nadal not there. And honestly, when the announcer said the first Spanish player to win the Miami Open, I, I thought he like had made a mistake. But I realized N- Nadal's never won it, and that's like the, one of the only ones he hasn't won. And yeah, Carlos Alcaraz, absolutely amazing. Biggest stud. I said he's the most exciting player in tennis currently, and I stand by that. So it was a great tournament. Yeah, I think Iga was coming for that number one title for a while now. Um, she's more than deserving of it, as we saw. I think her and Carlos are kind of on that level where at this point you can kind of maybe consider them in like the big three of whatever you want to consider in the top players of tennis. And so I think that's super exciting to have such successful players at this young of an age. Um, Speaking of successful players at a young age, unfortunately, our Canadians didn't do as well as the Miami Open as we had so boldly predicted on this show. Yeah, Brendan, what, uh, what's, I think we got to give you a moment here to just, you know, try and try and save some face. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if you didn't listen to our last episode, I did say that all three, Layla, Felix and Chapo would hit quarterfinals or better. And if they didn't, I would owe each of my co-hosts here a sleeve of tennis balls. So <laughs> uh, to, be, to be determined. I know Steven's in Europe, so that might be a little tricky, but Karina is a little closer to me. So okay, I will get you that. FedEx, FedEx works. <laughs> it's all good. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I appreciate you backing the Canadians. And honestly, I, I agreed with you. I, like, I, had, I had very high hopes as well. And yes, that's a total three strike strikeout tournament for Canada. Um, not great, but on to Clay, and that'll be hopefully better, right, Karina? Yes, exactly. We are moving on to clay. We are putting the hard court season behind us. Um, this is honestly my favorite part of the year. I love clay season. I think Roland Garros may be one of what maybe my favorite Grand Slam. I don't know. It's kind of hard to compete with the Australian Open, but we are in a really good part of the year. Um, let's do kind of a preview of Chapo, Felix, and Layla. Hopefully things go a little bit better for them this time. I think out of these three, I might be putting most of my confidence into Layla just because we know she's had success on clay before. Like she won the French Open in juniors. And so she seems very, very comfortable on the surface. What do you guys think about Layla's chances? Layla's chances, I think, are great. I think she's, yeah, like you said, she's had success in on clay prior. She's also just a, an amazing top 25, top 20 player in the WTA. And we know her skills. And I, for some reason, it's probably a Rafa Nadal bias, but I just feel like lefties do better on clay. That's definitely a Rafa Nadal bias, isn't it? But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I was going to use that same reasoning for Shabo. So fair enough. But you know, Layla's got the she's got the lefty forehand, but she could and she can add spin to it super well. And like really, clay obviously that gets accentuated on clay, so she can pull opponents off the court. So I see no reason she can't have a great successful clay swing. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting too with with Shapovalov. He's kind of been like blunt in like how he thinks of clay and how he performs on clay. Like he just flat out says like, I don't really like it. I don't prefer it. But like, he's been able to like adjust mechanics, especially with his forehand. And I think he has like a 55% record on clay, which is a little bit better than his buddy Felix. So I'm looking forward to um, a big turnaround here, a clean slate. And, you know, maybe, maybe a new surface will be, will be good for these three just to kind of get back on the right track here. And, um, put those early exits on, on a Miami open court uh, to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you saw... Go ahead. Sorry. Kina, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say Chapo's record on clay last year. He did pretty well, even though he's been pretty blunt about how he feels about clay. Like he lost to Nadal in Rome in round three. He made the Geneva final where he lost to Casper Ruud. He, mm-hmm. he's had really consistent uh, records on clay. And like you said, he is, he has done better than Felix. So I feel like I'm I'm still feeling pretty confident about him to bounce back, even though if, like the Canadians have kind of cooled off now. But with a new surface comes a new energy, a new type of play, and so that's kind of what I'm expecting. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Karina. I think yeah, like Shapo. If you remember, I don't know if you watched this match, but I think he had match points against Rafa in 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 Rome. Where was that Madrid? I forget. Was that Rome? They played. Anyways, it was the third round, and he arguably you know should have won that match. Um, so he's got confidence. He's such a good athlete. So I think that translates really well to clay no matter what. So yeah, I, I got high hopes for all three of them. Felix is actually about to win his first round match in Marrakesh in Morocco right now. Uh, so that's a good start and barring a crazy turnaround. Um, so yeah, I got hope for all three of our top Canadians, including Bianca and Jescu. More to come on that. Yes, as for the fourth young Canadian, Bianca Andreescu, the 2019 U.S. Open champ, she is currently practicing at Rafa Nadal Academy uh, as her anticipation of returning to the court uh, continues to rise. And Stephen, you might have some even breaking news here regarding her return to a specific tournament. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, if it's totally not breaking. breaking sorry. But, <laughs> but no, it, no, it's breaking on the north, on north of the net. That's that's facts. Yeah, yeah. Bianca is on the entry list for Madrid for the for the Masters 1000 or the WTA 1000 there. So it looks like that'll be the first time we see her back in competitive action since I guess I forget when the last like was it India Wells October last year uh, that we saw her play or just the U.S. Open. I'm not. Sure. I actually forget her last tournament, but. That's going to be good to see because, like, we got Chapo, Felix, and, and Layla now, and that's that's enough for us Canadians to have. We can't be greedy, but f- we forget that Bianca is really the first one of that bunch that had, like, obviously serious success winning the U.S. Open. Still doesn't even make sense. She's been out. She's been doing random stuff. Karina, I don't know how to get a read on it. Like, it's obviously good if you're finding yourself. She's been releasing a book. She's been going on, like, spiritual retreats to Costa Rica, somewhere else. I don't know, somewhere down there seems like she's doing all everything but playing tennis and i'm not sure if she's injured i don't know so i'm not like upset about it i just want to know we kind of just want to know what's going on so hopefully we'll get her on the show here soon but i don't know i'm i'm still yeah i think so i saw all of her posts about like traveling the world and all of that and doing all that spiritual stuff which i think is probably really good for her i mean she's struggled so much with injuries and that inconsistency where it was not always in her control and i think that's something that's probably really hard to deal with uh, as an athlete so i am super excited for her to come back i saw that she was training she was getting back into i think she was training on green clay if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. and so now that she's on the list uh to play on a clay court i'm super excited i think 
what we've forgotten about her game is how she adapts uh, to her opponents in game, which is a really rare quality that not a lot of players have. Like it's that thing that you need to go from good to great. And so I'm going to be greedy. I know you said that, you know, Chapo, Felix, and Layla is enough, but give me Bianca. I like it. I like it. That's fair. We've already had her. We can't let her go. It's just, it's insane to me how young these players are. I was just thinking, I'm 27. I like to think that I'm kind of young, but we could literally watch all four of these players play for the next 10 years. There's, you know, they could easily still be playing and we could just have this, the next decade of Canadian tennis. Is it the decade of Canadian tennis? Is that what we should call it in the international tennis stage? I think it absolutely is. And and not to go fully heavy on, on stats for Bianca, but out of the out of the core four uh, in, in Layla, Felix Chapo and, and Bianca, she has, I think the best record on clay in her career. She's five and one, which is like 83%. So like very, very, very strong. And like for her as well, like she, she has dealt with like, like numerous injuries, obviously back in December, she took a break to focus on her mental health. And, but as you alluded to earlier, Karina, like she is really strong at, at you know, like getting right back into it and not really missing a beat. So I think for her to make a return on, on clay and, and, you know, be able to kind of go into a match as if she just played last week. That's how, that's how I like her hair when I watch her. And she, she always comes in with obviously tremendous poise and she's one of the best backcourt players in the WTA. So it's going to be a, uh, a, a really exciting time to, to see her return to the court and no better time to do so than uh, on clay. Yeah. I'm very, very excited for her. I know a bunch of Canadians are, are excited to see her and it's okay for a little greedy um, because there's a lot of Canadian tennis action going on right now. And there's actually some Canadian tennis action going on in like 10 days from now. I want to say uh, the Billie Jean King Cup qualifiers are taking place in Vancouver. Team Canada is facing Team Latvia. Um, we have a pretty good set of players uh, stacked up to play. We have Leila Fernandez, we have Gabby Dabrowski, Rebecca Marino, Francoise Abanda, Kale Zhao. Like all of these, this is a really pretty good Canadian team, even though we don't have, you know, um, Bianca there. Obviously, not with everything going on, but. To go against Team Latvia, whose biggest name right now is Osapenko, I think our chances are pretty good, guys. What do you think? Yep. Great chances. In Vancouver, I love it. All these, all these players have played in Vancouver, probably at the Van Open Challenger um, before. So, obviously, traveling to Latvia or from Latvia is a lot bigger than, you know, they're going to feel at home. And, yeah, like you said, star-studded team. Um, they don't have Bianca, but that's okay because we got Layla. She's, like, you know, arguably our number one female player right now. And then the other girls that you mentioned are great. Marino's been having a great comeback in the second kind of half of her career. Francois Banda is a great young player. Carol Zhao's a great young player. Um, and that's a great stage for them to be able to step up. And, you know, maybe I'm not sure who the, I'm not exactly sure. I know they do four singles and one doubles match. And I think it's just best out of five for the qualities there. Um, but yeah, international experience for the players, always a good thing. And Canada super strong in the international stage. Maybe they can take some mojo from the ATP cup win that the boys had uh, at the beginning of this year. I don't know, but I like our chances. And they're yeah, pretty, so the way that oh, I was sorry, gonna go say they're pretty, they're pretty similar in rank too. I believe Canada is collectively ranked 10th and, and Latvia is 12. So it should be, uh, it should be a pretty competitive contest between the, between the two nations. Sorry, Karina. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say, so this is how it works for anybody who doesn't know. They're going to be playing on April 15 and 16. There's going to be a total of 18 teams that are set to compete. Uh, these include Australia versus Slovakia, Italy, France, USA, Ukraine, a bunch of these countries who actually Poland versus Romania. I feel like I should mention that as the Romanian Canadian yeah. on this show. Shout yeah. um, Shout out Romania. But um, yeah, so what's going to happen is that the... Uh, the nine winners of these qualifiers ties are going to play at the 2022 finals, which are going to take place in November. Uh, so that's quite a bit of a while from now, but uh, I think with the way that Canadian tennis is going and the team that we have, I'm feeling pretty confident in this, in this tie. And also too, Karina, I mean, uh, another chance to, for maybe, Canadians in the mix who don't maybe get a lot of the spotlights in in big tournaments or in slams like uh, Rebecca Marino or Gabrielle Dabrowski. He's usually dominant on on doubles action during during tours and, and slams. But I mean, again, these are still like very competitive players and, you know, they don't get a lot of the spotlight like a like a Layla or Bianca, but an opportunity for them to, to showcase their their skills on, on the international stage and and see what see what they can bring and, and contribute to to Canada. You're right. And, you know, I think about Francoise Banda too, who is one of those players where, you know, she doesn't get that same stage as these guys. And so I think this is actually a really good opportunity for us to learn even more about Canadian tennis because it's not just those like same three uh, hard hitting names. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a great it's going to be a great event. And I'm sad that, you know, I'm everyone knows I'm from the West Coast of Canada. So literally it would be my backyard but I've moved to Switzerland for the next six months. So missing it, but there will be more of those. All right. Let's get, <laughs> looks so sad. Let's get to I'm our, uh, let's get to our best segment here. Ace slash fault of the week. Karina, do you want to kick us off? Sure. I'll start with the fault of the week. I know a lot of us would like to talk about Nick Kyrgios and the umpire. We will talk about that. But honestly, I had the Canadians falling short at Miami as my fault of the week. I was just very, I don't know what the word is, upset, not disappointed. I don't know. It's like I i always really want when like the top players in the ATP and the WTA are not at these tournaments. I'm like, okay, it's time for the Canadians to take a hold of it. And then they just fell. And I was super, super sad about it because I was getting a little bit cocky with their success at the beginning of this year. Uh, so yeah, they're my fault of the week, guys. Yeah, that's a, that's a good fault of the week. Um, fair enough. My fault of the week is like crazy. Like it is crazy. I don't even know this guy's name, but he's the, he was the number one tennis player at this tournament. I think it was in Ghana. It's a futures event. So if you don't know what the futures are, it's like ATP WTA is the top level and then goes challengers. And then it's futures, and there's like a range of different futures. So, anyways, I'll let you just watch this because I do have the video here, and then I'll react. Five, <laughs> so yeah, so that's the number one player in the blue, uh, French player. I don't even know. I should could have looked up his name so we could like publicly shame him, but uh. He literally like Will Smith slapped. I don't know what is what is going on here, guys. It's like literally Will Smith him. Oh my yeah. god! Why is this the first time I'm seeing this? That like that was just a raw <laughs> reaction. I I've never actually, like that is 
I can't believe that wasn't on like Twitter or Instagram. That's a, that's a good find for Faults of the Week. Jeez, that is very Will Smith esque and very very fitting. Jeez. I know. I was like, what's going on with everyone getting slapped? There's all the violence with the ATP players throwing their rackets and almost hitting people. Or, and then this, it's like that. That's like next level. And then as the video actually keeps going, the guy who slapped him goes like this and like kind of like pretend like asks to like apologize. He's kind of like, oh, didn't mean to slap. Sorry, my hand slipped. It's crazy. Yeah, it was a muscle reflex. <laughs> Sorry. And he, because he's obviously the guy that lost. Um, I'm assuming that would be, I don't know. Anyway, that would be I hope, pretty weird. Yeah. I feel like that's something I don't want to ramble on here, but I feel like that's something you can't really apologize for. Can you? Like, I mean, Chris Will Smith did, but it's not like when you Sorry, do something, I you don't think you're going to you. get caught. That's one thing I kind of get that. But then, like, you know, you're going to get caught. Like, you're slapping another player. I don't know. I was going to say, like, sometimes if, like, you know, two greats are going at it after a long, like, ruling five set thriller, like Nadal and, Federer like one will kind of grab their head but like out of comfort and like wow that was insane we put on another good show but that was a full-on slap that was not comfort slap that was yeah that was assault pretty much so that was <laughs> crazy anyways that's my fault of the week my fault of the week Karina you alluded to it earlier with Nick Kyrgios another meltdown I'm really getting sick of this guy I was in his corner for a bit he was one of my like top five players but Man, I think a lot of this is just ridiculous. And it, it, it's, it's a lot of show. And he likes to just, you know, be, be the face of Twitter and top tens for SportsCenter, I guess, for meltdowns. Because it's, it's really getting ridiculous. And I believe he was fined like 60K for, for his antics. And it was announced today the ATP is going to um, smack down harsher, stricter um, restrictions now on players who just have these random meltdowns and tantrums like Zverev did a couple weeks ago. And now with Kyrgios, I think it's getting ridiculous. He he's, deserves a fault on this one. He deserves many faults because it seems to happen at every tournament. So yeah. he needs to, he needs to cool it. It's getting, it's getting out of hand. I will say Absolutely. this. I think his actions were not okay at all. Like I don't think like the yelling, the uh, everything, the comments was bad. However, I, I understand why he got upset in the first place, like when the umpire's uh, walkie-talkie went off during their point, and that I his reaction was not warranted at all, for sure. Um, but I think the umpire also escalated things when he started giving him a point penalty and then a game penalty, like it was a game penalty, and then um, and then he like he loses the first set, and then he goes into the next one down 1-0 he then goes immediately down a break which when you're dealing with Nick Kyrgios that's just gonna rile him up even more like you're not helping the situation if that, if that makes sense like you're not helping the situation you're not neutralizing him by doing that right no very yeah very you can't change you can't change the rules for one guy like he was I think Carlos Bernardes is like they have a bit of a history and he's I think this is why the ATP has come out with this statement um saying that like you just can't like the, they've told the umpires to now be even more harsh and, and less lenient about stuff like this because it's like yeah you're right Karina like you're you're totally right like it's not how you get him to calm down but that's kind of like negotiating it's like we don't negotiate with, with terrorists like not, not calling the curious <laughs> a terrorist but like you give an inch like they take a mile right so like it's parenting mm -hmm. 101 that's that's sadly what it seems like with the umpires and a guy like Nick Kyrgios so it's like you can't just let him do his thing because then, then who's running the thing? It's not fair to the opponent, right? So, yeah, Carlos Bernardes is like was a hard ass. You could have been, he could have been more lenient, but I think uh, he's 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 been playing that game for so long. I remember back in like two thousand eight, having arguments with Rafa, him and Rafa, 
big history. Uh, so he's a vet out there, and he probably was just trying to put Nick in his place a little. On a lighter note, uh, aces of the week, Karina. Yeah, so I'll talk about Carlos Alcaraz, but not just winning, specifically the sportsmanship that he's shown in his last couple of matches, especially the one against Hergatz where the umpire called a double bounce, but he had actually gotten to the ball in time and Carlos allowed him to replay the point. And then I think in the final that Carlos played, Casper uh, Rude allowed Carlos to have a first serve again when the ball, like there's something happened with the ball. It was like flat. And so mm. he missed his first serve and they kind of redid the point. I love this side of tennis. I love this like humanity side. Cause even though their opponents playing each other and they're trying to win, there's still that sportsmanship sportsmanship aspect that just makes the player so likable and reminds you like, you know, you still have each other's backs no matter what. And I think that's, that's such a heartwarming moment for me. Yeah. I'm going to go off basically off that too. I'd say like my, my ace of the week was Carlos winning, winning his tournament or winning the Miami open. Um, just the level that he's played at is, is so exciting. And I talked about this in a video already made on the slice is just how, like you just see, look at his game and there's just no really seeming weakness. There's no glaring weaknesses. That's for sure. There's places maybe he could improve, but it's such a well-rounded game. You're just like, this kid's 18. Like what are the, what are the, cha- like what are the opportunities ahead of them? Like what, where's the end of this? Like you just don't know. So that's, I think what makes it so exciting. So I'm stoked that he got to like get his, you know, he got a five ATP 500 actually or the, earlier this year in South America, which is not as big because a lot of big players don't play there, but yeah, it's just a massive tournament for him um win for him and yeah i love that that sportsmanship that you just talked about tennis is like it has class it is a classy sport it's supposed to have that gentlemanly womanly um gentlewomanly um vibe to it and i feel like the men especially have really gotten away from that as of late like the very disgusting thing with the with the umpire smacking it and nick is just it's not that kind of culture that the good side of tennis where it's i think there's a lot of like sportsmanship so I thought that was cool, Karina, and I agree big time on those aces. My ace of the week has to be Denis Shapovalo witnessing greatness at Amalia Arena in Tampa, taking a breather from the courts and seeing Matthews pot number 54, tying a single-season franchise goal record with Toronto. And you know what? Today's April 5th. They're playing a back-to-back in Sunrise, Florida. Maybe Shapo brings Felix and, and Austin Potts and uh, six tonight is that just uh, just ridiculous probably but you know what in this case matthews or sorry chapeau is matthews ace because yeah. clearly a good luck trend that's fair enough i don't i think chapeau might have a hard time pulling uh felix in from the north a- from north africa right now but uh <laughs> like, i don't know how much cash they got lying around for a private jet but who knows um anyways guys i'll just end off the show here with a great Great episode. I, I am filled like you guys both probably are with anticipation, excitement for the clay swing. Like Brendan's background, I think our, us Canadians can do really well on the dirt. It's not our natural surface here as, you know, half the year, most of the year, you have to play indoors because um, in Canada, it's like a frozen tundra. If you guys didn't know that um, watching, but I feel a lot of anticipation uh, for the clay and I feel like we can do well. It's been a yeah, slice. 100%. an absolute slice so yeah if you guys are watching leave a comment leave your questions below and we'll answer them on the next show uh right after our aces and faults of the week but that's it from us here on the slice brendan karina thank you guys well done and we will see you guys next time here on north of
the net.